Welcome to the Gopher Report Podcast on the Minnesota Rivals Network. Today is Sunday, October 25th. We got a great show for you today where we'll break down last night's 49-24 season opening loss to the Michigan Wolverines and debut some new intro music. Me and Gopher Report publisher Sean Williams go through positives and negatives, look at some standout stats, talk about what this means for the Gophers going forward, and recap our last week's picks. And again, thank you for listening to the Gopher Report Podcast. You can become a legend today, boys. Kelsher, aim, shoot, score! Short throw, little bubble, Chris Ottman, Bell, inside the 10, the 5, touchdown, Minnesota! Looks like Patino won't call the timeout. Special for Carr. Off the bounds, big time! That car will drive! When you watch Gopher football from this point forward, it will be different. We want this to become a national brand, a national movement, where people from all over the country want to come to the University of Minnesota because it's different. That's why he chose Minnesota. He wanted to play for his home state. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He wanted to come here. You know, I'm sure he's dreamed of that moment, walking off the court at the barn, chanting your name. Welcome to the Gopher Report podcast. My name is Connor Stevens. With me is Sean Williams, publisher of the Gopher Report on the Minnesota Rivals Network. Uh, we're going to start off the show today by going into two positives and two negatives from last night's 49-24 season open loss to the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Sean, what's the first positive that you took from the game last night? Um, I'm going to just kind of come out the bat and just state the obvious. You got production from your star players and uh, Rashad Bateman and uh, Muhammad Abraham. Uh, obviously, Abraham's uh, rushed for 140 yards, two touchdowns, uh, average 5.4 yards per carry. Um, so that was that was really good just to have the running game there. And uh, he did a really good job overall. I, I think he had like three catches for 17 yards as well. So a uh, little bit of a threat out of the backfield, catching the ball like we kind of suspected. Uh, Rashad Bateman as well, it, you know, it took him a while to get going, especially there in the first quarter. Uh, his first couple of touches went for negative yards, but uh, he eventually got it going, had a couple of uh, had a couple of long, uh, long plays in, there in the third quarter, I think a 25-yard catch and a 38-yard catch. Ended up with 101 yards, nine catches, so it's good. Good to see, uh, you know, the offense did struggle a little bit, just, oh, well, I mean, struggled a lot, I guess, in terms of, uh, I guess, maybe average yards per play overall and things like that. But you did get production from your star players. You were able to find the end zone a lot. They were in the game, you know, there up until, you know, the third quarter, like midway through. And even late in the fourth quarter there, you know, you had, uh, you, you were there in the end zone, in the red zone. Um, and, you know, Tanner Morgan kind of missed Abraham and wide open in the end zone. So, I mean, that would have put him a little bit closer, not saying they would have won it. But, you know, the offense did, overall did pretty good. So it's good to see star production, uh, production from your star players overall. Yeah, I agree. And that uh, kind of ties in with one of my positives, and that's just overall production from the offense against uh, Don Brown defense in Michigan that, like the graphic showed on the screen last night when we were watching the game, it's usually a top 10 defense in the entire country. Uh, and the Gopher offense played well. They put up 24 points. Uh, four points got taken off the board when they ran in a touchdown with, and there was an illegal formation penalty. It pushed them back, and they had to settle for a field goal. 
And then later in the game, they got in the red zone again. Uh, and s- since they were down at um, a late point in the game, they had to go for it on fourth down again. Uh, and they couldn't convert and they couldn't settle for a field goal either because of where they were in the game. So uh, they didn't put up 30 points, but in a way they got opportunities where in a normal setting, they would have got 30 plus points on a Michigan defense that is very good historically, especially under Don Brown, and they look to be good again. So I think that's the uh, first positive that I took from the game from just the offense overall. Uh, What's your second positive you saw, Sean? Um, I'll go with uh, just staying on the offensive side of things. Um, Effort to get the tight ends involved. Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, Cole Keith got things going uh, for Minnesota score miles at the 14-yard touchdown catch after the uh, blocked punt. Yeah, he had two catches on the night. I think he got a couple more targets. I think they threw the ball to Brevin Span forward to just wasn't able to catch it. So um, you're seeing tight ends get involved, which I, you know, suspected, you know, a Mike Sanford offense would do. So it was kind of good to see uh, a little bit of tight end action uh, on the on the main stage last night. Tight ends getting in the end zone and uh, and things like that. So I think that'll be that'll be something to look forward to going forward. Whether it's you know Keith, it's uh, Span forward, Jake Polson. Uh, I think those guys get plenty of opportunities to haul in some passes uh, this season. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, and that's something that people on the board have been harping for for a couple of years when Kirk Scirocco was offensive coordinator. And uh, based on what Mike Sanford has done in the past, we thought we would see more tight end targets and we got it right away. First mm-hmm. drive, Coquif had that touchdown. So I agree. That was a, a positive, and I'm sure a lot of people are happy about that. Um, I think I'm going to go for the defense for my second positive, just because I think we're going to be talking a lot about the defense when we start going into the negatives, but um, uh, the cornerback play was good. Um, Coney Durr, Benjamin St. Juice, Solomon Brown, Justice Harris, the four of those guys were only targeted six times throughout the game and they only allowed two catches for 18 yards. Uh, Unfortunately, they weren't targeted much and they're probably the most stout defensive group that Minnesota has returning. Uh, and Josh Gaddis and the Michigan offense did a really good job of avoiding those guys and exploiting the weaknesses like uh, linebacker and defensive line. Um, so uh, not really too many positives from the defense, but if there's going to be one thing, uh, I think that's something that you can point to as uh, something to build on for next week. Uh, I'll start with my first negative now. Uh, The linebackers got picked on all day. When you look at pro football focus, no one graded above a 64. Uh, A lot of the big plays were because of missed gaps and blown assignments. Uh, Like that first big run by Zach Chabernet uh, just filled the wrong hole and there's no one behind him. And that's a safety problem too. Uh, But the young linebackers, we knew were going to be an issue. They're inexperienced. Cody Lindenberg, a true freshman from Anoka, Minnesota, got the start. He missed a few assignments. He he bounced back pretty well. Uh, He's a good athlete. He created a pressure. He had a couple tackles. Uh, but there's still some things that uh, when you're thrown out on the field for the first time, especially in a big game like that, you're just not going to be ready for. And you got to fail and kind of learn from it. And we saw a lot of failing and hopefully we'll see a little bit of learning uh, in the next few weeks. So just the linebacker play was my first negative that I saw. Yeah, but before I jump into mine, uh, just a little bit more on Lindenberg. Uh, yeah, glass half full on him. I mean, you know, it's it's tough for a true freshman to get the, your first start on national TV against Michigan. 
Um, but I think, like you said, he, he made some mistakes, but I think he, uh, he also showed that he can play pretty good too, you know, so it, it's going to be a learning curve with him if he's going to get out there and, and see the, see the field a lot. Obviously he got the start and we'll see if that continues throughout the season, but you know, really that's a glass half full type of thing. I really kind of liked what I saw from him. And even though he did some, some things that, you know, kind of cost, uh, cost Minnesota some big plays, like you said, which kind of leads into the, uh, negative I'm going to make and that, you know, my two negatives are going to be on defense because, you know, that's just the way it was last night. So, but to kind of tie into what you said about picking on the linebackers, stopping the run, um, you know, Minnesota's defense just could not do a very good job of that last night against Michigan. I mean, they gashed uh, Minnesota for 256 rushing yards. You mentioned the Zach Chabernet, uh, a long run. That was a 70 yard run. They also gave up a 66 yarder to Hassan Haskins. Uh, Michigan averaged 8.3 yards per rush. So that just kind of goes to show you, you know, last week we were talking about, or I kind of mentioned, you know, Minnesota needs to stop the run, put pressure on Joe Bilt to make throws. That obviously did not happen. And that uh, played into Michigan's favorite. So, uh, yeah, stopping the run, <laughs> that's something they're going to have to do a whole lot better job of moving forward. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll, uh, you know, they'll, uh, Make some positive strides Friday night against Maryland, but definitely not, uh, definitely not a good job on Saturday night against Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about how important it was, and you specifically mentioned the defensive line play and stopping the run against Michigan's attack, and they just didn't do a good job of it. It was too easy. And I'm going to stay on the defensive line for my second uh, negatives and just the front seven in general. Uh, there was no pressure from the defensive line on first-time starter Joe Milton. There was one sack from the defensive line that was on the first possession of the game, and there were only three pressures from the defensive line. One, one of them came from Lindenberg later in the game, so four total pressures on a first-time starter. You're just making things too easy for him. I mean, he had all day to sit in the pocket when he dropped back to throw. They did play actions and just jump offs to the tight end, and guys were out of position. Uh, and it, you just can't give a guy like that – that much time uh, there you need to be able to shake somebody who's in their first start and uh, the Minnesota front seven just didn't do that yeah I agree I agree with you uh, a lot there I mean you, you kind of mentioned uh, the first sack you know by uh, Boye Mafe there on the first possession you think oh man you know things are looking looking pretty good here and then you know it just never you never saw a lot of pressure and then you know, you got a first-time starter out there and a guy that's just inexperienced as Milton. It's important to put pressure on him and, and make him make throws that is uncomfortable, you know, and then, but that obviously did not happen. And, you know, that kind of goes back to not stopping the run either. There's just there's just was no pressure up front to stop the run or put pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, that really showed it really wore uh, Minnesota's defense down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um you got. I I know we said two and two. I want to listen to your second negative, just in case you don't bring up uh, something that I didn't bring up that we need to mention. So throw in throw in your second yeah. negative, and then I'll see if uh, if it's uh, not mentioned, then I got to bring it up because someone's well, got to talk about it. I've got two more options. Maybe I know where you're going with yours, so I'll go with uh, I'll go with offense on mine, and particularly the offensive line pass protection was not good. Uh, they allowed five sacks, 39 yards lost on those sacks. I mean, and obviously the the biggest one being there in the first quarter when, uh, you know, the uh, the Michigan rush, I think Michael Barrett went through and just unblocked uh, on a blitz, got to Morgan, fumbled the ball. Uh, 
and uh, Michigan State lineman, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, took it back for a 15-yard touchdown. So uh, pressure on night on Morgan, uh, allowing five sacks is pretty unacceptable. I, but, you know, I know Michigan's defense is tough, but still it's going to be hard to kind of win win a game when you're allowing that many sacks and having that much pressure in the backfield. And uh, that obviously showed last night. And we know, you know, Minnesota did a little bit of shuffling offensive line-wise, obviously, uh Falele is not out there. Dunlap's not out there. So they did a little shuffling around, but the tackles just really, um, you know, I think particularly you mentioned uh, Blaze Andres. I think he got kind of ate up a little bit on the tackle spot. So those tackles just uh, need to do a lot better job in, in the pass protection going forward. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, in the run game, they did a solid job. Ibrahim uh, mm-hmm. was able to rush for over 140 yards. He had a big day. But in the past game, man, I mean, you got to be able to give Tanner Morgan time to throw and throw to someone other than Rashad Babin because he's the only one that can get that type of separation that quick or that's what it looked like that night. Um, so I agree. Offensive line play has got to step up. We didn't know how much a difference it would make without uh, Dunlap and Flaley in there, but it looks like they're missing some serious depth with those guys out. Uh, I know Dunlap was there. I don't believe Flaley was. Uh, so we'll see uh, if he can get help if Curtis Dunlap can get healthy going forward because it did look like Axel Rushmeyer in at that guard spot was uh, not quite ready to play. Uh, so getting Curtis Dunlap back. Uh, is going to be probably pretty essential going forward for the Gophers. Uh, Now, I know we said two negatives. I'm going to bring up a third, and, Sean, we can both talk about this. Uh, We found out before the game that uh, starting punter, freshman, uh, Mark Crawford from Australia got uh, COVID, and he's going to be out for a little bit. And then also starting kicker, Michael Lance, uh, same issue there. So we knew that there was going to be issue in special teams, but, man, have you ever seen anything like that in terms of what a Division One Power Five football team can bring to the kicking game? I mean, they had a what a 13-yard punt and an 18-yard punt. They were popping up kicks. They rolled a couple kicks. They rolled a kick and it led to a huge kick return for Michigan. Uh, right. It seemed like everything Minnesota was doing, the offense was humming and they were uh, scoring points. But then the defense would get it back. Special teams would do a short kick. They'd get the ball in good field position, and then it was just so easy for them to score. And, I mean, people undervalue special teams, and uh, it's it's essential. And, I mean, I think this is what we saw today, that if you don't have a good special team, it's going to put you behind, and it's going to put your team in tough situations. But have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, yeah, I can't in recent memory uh, recall just being – just a overall special teams unit uh, in terms of kicking, punting, just being that bad, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, that just goes to show you that um, how important it is when you don't have guys that uh, you can rely on in those situations. And obviously Minnesota didn't, they didn't really trust them. Obviously, uh, you know, they went for it on uh, fourth down there in the second quarter and didn't, uh, didn't uh, convert. I think they, they tried to direct snap to Keith and he, Ava came up short on the rush there, but um, yeah, just, and, and Fleck mentioned it afterwards, you know, they were just uh, really, I mean, just to sum it up, I mean, they just kind of didn't trust their, their special teams, you know, and that's why they went forward on that particular fourth down. They just didn't want to, uh, didn't want to bring their, hopefully they, you know, hopefully their defense didn't come back out there. They didn't want their defense to come back out there that quick. So 
but yeah, I just, uh, just ravaged by, you know, the COVID issues, it seems. And, you know, even, even their, uh, their kickoff kicker was, uh, I think he was out too, their main one. So, you know, you mentioned them rolling, rolling kicks and it led to, a, I think, a 68-yard return at one point. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. So, and I mean, that's, uh, that's just one of those things. You don't have a backup punter. Right, right. And, you know, that's, and, uh, you know, pe- people have been talking about that on the board and rightfully so, you know, I mean, you've, you know, this is your fourth year under Fleck. I mean, you do not have, and do not have suitable backups in those positions. I mean, they're in, and they're important because you got to think, I mean, you know, you can deal with a regular injury too, you know, with those guys. And so you got to have a suitable backup uh, that you can kind of count on and rely on. And they, and they don't have that and they don't trust any of those guys. It seems like that they have available right now. And especially in a year where you can get you can catch a virus from a pandemic and be out three weeks immediately, you need right. to be you need to be so prepared. If I'm the special teams coach and I see that's my backup punter and he's kicking it 18 yards, he's dropping it nose down in the football. And when yeah, yeah. he's he's doing that from gopher territory punting nose dropping the ball nose down in football with the ball and when you kick it like that that's what punters do when they want to get backspin on it and they want to pin a guy deep and it's a short punt and that's how he's punting normally so if you're a special teams coach and you see that's your backup punter right now you're you got to bring some guys in and figure out who else can punt who else can who can kick it 25 yards down the field and I mean, that was just a major issue. And then it forced you to do that fake punt. I mean, I, I don't necessarily not agree with the fake punt, but I do not agree with doing a fake punt to Keith. He's just not a really explosive <laughs> athlete like he and and credit to him. He's gotten much better over his time as a gopher and seeing him get a touchdown uh, yesterday and another catch was uh, it was great. People have been waiting for t- a tight end to break out in the pass catching game and he was the one to do it. But if you're running a fake punt, I, I mean, no offense to him, but the ball needs to be in somebody else's hands, especially it was not fourth and one. It was like, what, fourth and five or six? I think so, yeah. I'd have to go back and look. But, yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, Koki should be a blocker, a league blocker on a fake punt situation, not the one getting the ball. I know you're trying to go for the element of surprise, but if you're back that far, uh, you know, if it's not a four, if it's fourth and uh, longer than one, uh, you better be putting it in the hands of somebody that's going to have some explosive playmaking abilities and not maybe a tight end. Exactly. And all right. I think we've spent enough time on uh, the special teams. I know we said two negatives. Well, it turned into two <laughs> negatives and then one huge negative that we just had well, to rant about for a little bit. And the thing, the thing too, I'll, I'll kind of keep talking about it. And going back to your point, if you're a special teams coach, you see a punter kicking, you know, the way it is. And, and you bring up a good point, you know, the, the nose of the ball's down and, and, and that's kind of his approach. Why can can you not teach him a new way to, to kick the ball? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I would I would definitely be concerned if I saw that in practice and knowing that that's your only option and just be like, uh, hey, can we try something different? Uh, maybe we can get a little bit more uh, more yardage on your kicks here if we try it this way, you know. So, um, I, Exactly, I think, or somebody I think, different. Yeah, I think – yeah, or somebody different. I, I think you, you'll – I mean, I think this week in practice, special teams is going to be getting a lot of reps, so uh, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's let's move on to some standout stats. Uh, what what was a stat that you saw um, after watching the game that stood out to you, it, either positive or negative, or uh, 
just any. I was going to say, I was hoping you weren't asking for positives because I actually wrote down a couple of negatives. But. <laughs> oh, go for it. Um, and the one I'll mention that uh, we haven't mentioned yet is Chris Altman-Bell, one catch, 45 yards. Obviously, that 45-yard catch was pretty big, but uh, I think he was only targeted twice throughout the game. So, uh, you know, you got to find ways to get him the ball. You just can't, you know, Bateman's going to have all that pressure on him, all the attention on him, but we can't get – uh, your number two wide receiver, more than two targets throughout the game. Um, you've got to find a way to uh, not let that happen again and, and give him an opportunity to make some plays. Exactly. And I, that, that ties in with one of the stats that I wrote down. Uh, Co'Keefe gets three targets. Tight ends get five total. Uh, Brevin Span Ford got one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but wide receivers not named Rashad Bateman got four total targets. That's two for Chris Almond Bell, one for Daniel Jackson, one for Clay Geary. Yeah. Chris, like Chris Bell, it, it didn't look like they looked his way often. It, it, I mean, it seemed like he was open way more than he got the ball, way more than he got thrown at. Uh, the one pass that he did catch, he wasn't really even that open. It was a little bit underthrown ball, yeah. and he's just a good athlete and good playmaker. And he went and just made a big play on it 45 yard catch caught 15 of those after the catch so I mean uh, you just it's great that they're getting the ball to the tight ends more but when you have a guy like that who's been proven had a big year last year can make plays after the catch can go up and get jump balls and make those one-on-one plays especially against an inexperienced secondary like Michigan has you can't only have two targets to him it's great Rashad Bateman had nine catches but he can't be your end-all be-all at the receiver position he just can't right yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, you've got other playmakers out there on the field. Uh, you got to find a way to get on the ball, you know, because Bateman's going to be double teamed. He's going to be the uh, he's going to be the main focus of every defense you play the rest of the year. So you got to get creative. You got to get other guys involved. Uh, whether that's Daniel Jackson, Chris Allman Bell should be, you know, should like you said. I mean, to have two targets is, uh, in my opinion, just unacceptable. You got to throw the ball to him a lot more, and uh, you know, throw the ball to Daniel Jackson too, and see what he can do. Absolutely. And uh, it's just like, I don't think I would ever be at a point where uh, I was saying about the gopher offense that the tight ends shouldn't be targeted as much. And I think (laughs) it's still important to target the tight ends. I mean, it it works when um, everything's going right, but the tight end should never have more targets than a guy like Chris Ottman Bell, especially since Keith, Keith solid. He, he did his job yesterday, but um they just have guys that can make plays on the outside and Brevin Span Ford and uh, Co'Keefe haven't shown that they can be uh, just dynamic tight ends and pass catchers. So I'm just wondering about what they're going to do with the offense going forward. Um, I'll I'll go to my next standout stat that really surprised me. Uh, Gophers had four missed tackles against Michigan. If you if you would have asked me what I thought that number was directly after the game, I would have said upwards of fifteen. <laughs> if you yeah. if but if you look back at, uh, I, I would guess every every game in college football this year, the team a team with four missed tackles or less, they win the game. Right, and it's it's because. The Gophers lose with only four missed tackles because a lot of the time they weren't in a position to even make a tackle. Right. Guys were out of their gaps. Like Chabernet's touchdown run, he didn't get touched. 
And uh, I mean, that's one of those things. It's a standout stat in a good way because they missed four tackles. That's a standout state uh, stat in a bad way because they were only in position to miss four tackles. But, but it's also a good thing because it, it shows that there's some fixable issues on the defense, in my opinion. Um, guys are inexperienced. They're still learning. Uh, and it seems like just blown assignments and missing gaps is the reason that Michigan had such explosive plays. So, I'm, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. But um, I think having – Maryland and Illinois the next two weeks uh, you're going to find out a lot about your defense and you're going to give them a chance to learn against some opponents that aren't quite on the level of Michigan so that's that's a stat that I thought really stood out when I was looking over after the game yeah I, I agree with you um, on your last part uh, on every part you said there but I, I think it's key you mentioned uh, your next two opponents those are two opponents that you can get really right with uh, on your schedule so it kind of works out well you know Michigan was Michigan, that's a, that's a tough start. That's a tough way to start the season. And I know they're replacing four, four offensive linemen, but look, the, the four offensive linemen that uh, that were thrown in there to replace the old guys, I mean, they had playing experience. So it's not like they were throwing in green dudes or anything like that. And, um, you know, uh, the offense, you, you mentioned, uh, you harped on the, the defense a lot, but offense too. I mean, offense is going to get a chance to, to play a lot better. And I think the offense played pretty well uh, against that Michigan defense. Just like you said, they're always in the top 10. So that's going to be the toughest defense you play all year. So you're going to have an opportunity to get really, really well and, and work on some things offensively and hopefully get Chris Altman Bell involved a little bit more than two targets a game. Uh, and especially in these next two games, I think I think that'd be uh, that'd be good for the Gophers. They should be a, a heavy favorite. I know they're heavy favorites already against Maryland. They should be a heavy favorite against Illinois. So um, definitely some. You brought up some fixable things they can do on defense. I know everybody's uh, you know all the fans are upset about uh, the loss, but uh, you know it is what it is. I think they can get better and and become a, a lot better team moving forward, especially in these next two games, and that'll give them some confidence going forward to finish out the season as well. Absolutely. Um, uh, do you have another standout stat that uh, you were looking at that um, you thought painted a picture of the game a little bit? Uh, I really don't, man. I just wrote down Altman Bell, and I already kind of mentioned the other one I wrote down, just, um, you know, giving up 8.3 yards per rush, you know, uh, on the defense. I mean, that's just something that, you know, when you give up 256 rushing yards and, and 8.3 yards of carry, you're just not going to win a lot of games doing that against any team. So, mm -hmm. That was the only other really standout stat I had. I mentioned, you know, obviously stars standing out. So, yeah, I just wrote down really the Altman Bell one was the big thing for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, have a, I have a couple more standout stats that uh, I, I kind of feel like I need to talk about if you're willing to listen to me rant a little bit longer. Oh, gosh, I guess so. I know, I know. All right, so <laughs> I, I was looking at pro football focus to see uh, how Joe Milton played for Michigan yesterday, and he had a good game. Um, like I mentioned earlier, when he targeted cornerbacks in coverage, he was two for six for 18 yards. Mm. When he targeted the linebackers, and they were the guys on the receiver or tight end, he was three for four for 43 yards and a touchdown. When he targeted the safeties, Jordan Howden and Tyler Newbin, he was 10 for 15, 165 yards. That's uh, Howden being asked to step up and be a leader in the secondary with Antoine Winfield Jr. gone and Tyler Newbin making his first career start. 
that's that's rough. That's a rough first day. And and some of it was uh, the inexperienced linebacker play, um, putting them in tough spots. And maybe they were out of position, too, and safeties are just the guys in the area, so they get credited with allowing the catch. Uh, but 10 for 15, 165 yards, um, That that's not really acceptable, and safety play needs to step up. And that's one of those other areas that needs to be fixed. Uh, do you have any reaction after hearing those numbers? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I, well, when I read your, uh, your uh, pro football focus reviews and, and uh, kind of looked through those earlier today, I was, I was really surprised. I mean, because you, you looked at the stats and like, hey, Tyler Newbin, he played the team in tackles. Now, that's cool and everything, but obviously coverage-wise, there was some issues there and, and some major issues, and you've kind of pointed that out. And you just looking at the pro football focus grades, you're like, Wow, they they do have a lot to do, a lot of work to do in, in that category. So, um, yeah, just another <laughs> another reason uh, that I think uh, special teams, defense, uh, specifically safeties, linebackers, defensive ends, they're going to be getting a lot of reps in practice and trying to figure things out this week for sure. Absolutely. All right, now one one more kind of stat slash question for you. Um, you did pick Michigan to win, and you were right there. Both me and Alex have Minnesota winning this game. Would you have changed your pick if I was going to tell you that Minnesota would have four missed tackles as a team, Mo Ibrahim would rush for 145 and two touchdowns, and Rashad Bateman would have a 100-yard game? Would, yeah, you th th would you think that things line up pretty well for the Gophers to win that game? <laughs> yeah, I think if you threw those at me, I'd probably say, yeah, Minnesota wins. And no and that's uh, one of those things that, like you, we mentioned earlier, you got to look at the positives and the negatives and the offense. Um, there's a lot of positive things we can take from the offense. But like you said, the offense can still get better. There's areas like targeting Chris Altman Bell uh, that and just getting other guys involved in the offense and just being a more efficient unit, especially from a pass protection standpoint. And maybe they get another lineman back uh, and are able to improve in that area. Uh, Michigan has some really good pass rushers. And this, like you said, this might be one of the best defenses. It might be the best defense that the Gophers play all year. But um, uh, it's crazy uh, looking at the positives on the offensive end and realizing that it could have been better. They, there's definitely areas they can improve on, but those stats are just something that, um, yeah, there's, I don't know how often it happens, but sometimes you just watch games and you look at stats and you think if, if you would have told me that before the game, I might've put some good money on the Gophers winning that game. <laughs> right. Well, you, and you look at, you look too at like red zone efficiency, they were four or five and, uh, Minnesota had like, uh, 35 minutes time of possession usually you know I mean not usually but most of the time you win that time of possession battle you you, you got a pretty good grasp you're going to win the game but obviously when you're getting gashed for a lot of yardage and uh, and big plays it, it, that didn't really pan out too well on Saturday so that was a little bit of a deceiving stat there but yeah I mean offensively they they did some good things they had 21 first downs too I think it was three more than Michigan but you know Michigan once again we go back to they had a, a lot of big plays so um you know uh but yeah uh it's it's funny to look at stats after the game and and kind of kind of uh you know say hey well they did pretty good in the red zone they had 35 minutes time possession but you know they they lost 49 to 24 so it doesn't really paint the picture of what really went on exactly the, those are and stat like time possession that's something that pj fleck and minnesota pride themselves on they want to have at least that five minutes of extra possession and they got it 
uh, just not in the way they wanted. Um, all right, let's move on to what this means going forward for the next two weeks. Gophers have Maryland and Illinois. Sean, what are your thoughts, uh, specifically Maryland, uh, how the Gophers can um, approach this and what it just means going forward? We'll, we'll have a more comprehensive Maryland pre- preview later in the week, uh, but what are your just initial thoughts after the game? Uh, perfect timing to have Maryland on there. That um, obviously they they lost forty three to three to Northwestern. They um, only had two hundred seven yards of total offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it seems to be a good opponent to play to to try to get better uh, defensively and offensively just uh, across the board. Um, so, um, and you and you you mentioned Illinois too. Uh, you know, we saw you know what Wisconsin did against them. So I, I think. You know, those are two two very good opponents, and we mentioned this earlier, but two very good opponent opponents to play after uh, after a loss like Michigan. And, and I think you can work on a lot of things, and special teams wise too. You know, you gotta you gotta get that right. You know, because you might have to rely on that. You might not have to rely on special teams in, in a key situation in these next two games, but down the road you're you're going to, and, and maybe and by that time maybe some of those guys will be back. And uh, but you never know. You know, we'll with COVID and everything like that. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it'll give opportunities uh, to get better in game situations against teams that like we, like I said earlier, that Mich- or, uh, Minnesota is going to be uh, probably heavily favored against. I know they're, uh, I know they're like 19 point favorites against Maryland. So I'm, I'm sure they will be favorites against Illinois too. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. This is just a chance for inexperienced guys to get experience, to learn and grow and, uh, do it against opponents that um, allow them to learn and grow on the fly a little bit more than a team like Michigan is. So uh, these are big, uh, big week coming with Maryland. Uh, they need to get that win to stay on track and uh, still have a chance to complete some of their goals that they had before the season as a team. Um, we'll head into what our picks are or were for last week. Um the champion uh, was Sean. He was six and one. One wrong pick was uh, Michigan State over uh, Rutgers. Um, Sean, I'll let you. T- I'll let you talk about your picks and get a little bit of a victory lap in before I talk about mine. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't go to Minnesota, so obviously I, I wasn't very swayed. Very swayed to to pick the Gophers, but I mean, I thought that would be a close game. I had a 28-24 in favor of Michigan, and obviously it turned out to be a lot bigger than wider gaps than that um indiana penn state man uh i just thought indiana was i thought penn state was kind of ripe to uh, to get upset it was at indiana indiana's a lot better team even though they didn't play nowhere near their best game uh, i know michael uh phoenix didn't have a really great game but uh he had a he had a damn great moment there at the end stretching out for that two-point conversion um so yeah, I mean those are in and I love Purdue. I kind of saw that as a toss-up game, and I and I picked Purdue, and they ended up winning. You know, uh, I think they won by three against Iowa. So uh, the other ones are pretty easy to pick. So <laughs> in my opinion, just in terms of favorites. So uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I was pretty happy with my. Uh, but Rutgers, I'll tell you what, you 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 kind of called that one, Connor, and I'll, I'll give you credit for that one. And Rutgers, I mean their offense is. It's pretty explosive. I, that's something we have not seen from Rutgers in, in quite some time. Yeah, and any game you uh, force, what was it, six or seven turnovers? 
Yeah, I can't yeah. remember the final number, but yeah, I think it was like six or yeah, six or seven. I can't remember what the final number of turnovers is. So yeah, and that that really helped them out too. Yeah, you sh- you should win any game you force that many turnovers in. So their defense and uh, Shiano's first game really helped them out. Uh, that was one pick I got right. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't get many more right. I was four and three on the day. Uh, I picked Minnesota over Michigan, so got that one wrong. Um, Although I didn't have the best record, I will take pride in having the only uh, perfect score pick. I had Ohio State over Nebraska, uh, 52-17. So um, had that one, was the only one that got Rutgers. But at the end of the day, I'm still 4-3. and three. Uh, So not great. You know, we're getting there. Alex had a pretty good day as well. Uh, he got wrong. Um, or actually, he's 4-3 and three with me. He got wrong the Penn State game uh Rutgers and then Minnesota as well so uh you're you're in a bit of a lead here right now after week one so I'm sure you're feeling pretty good Sean oh yeah even though you know I'd feel better if we were winning money or something like that (laughs) I'll I'll take bragging rights though we can make it into a little side (laughs) bet oh I'd feel a lot better if I was winning a million dollars or you know gonna get a Lambo out of this but eh, it's not gonna happen so yeah I don't know if I can promise you that I can uh Not to go for report budget, by the way. So no, I can get you a McGolden and Juicy Lucy when you visit Minnesota, but that's about it. Okay, cool deal. I'll take that uh, and whatever's whatever we can get through the McDonald's dollar menu. <laughs> I don't know if they have Juicy Lucys there, so well, uh, I'll just to... I'll just depend on you to get me a Juicy Lucy. How about that? <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning into the show. We'll have a Maryland podcast out. Uh, later in the week to preview everything going into that game. Uh, plenty of content going up on the meantime uh, at the Gulf Report with MinnesotaRivals.com. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Bye.